0: Hi everybody, welcome to episode 68 of Radio 815, the podcast all about JJ Abrams, the writer, director, producer, and his extended bad robot universe. I'm your co-host Matt Crandall here with Marcelo Inostroza as we are in the home stretch of Lost. Today we are talking about season six, episodes three, four, and five. The first episode up is episode six oh three. What kate does in the past we have had what kate did and now we're seeing what kate does marcello dr goodspeed will see you now what did you think of what kate does
1: i loved this episode to bloody pieces there was something about kate's flash sideways was structured and all the scenes between kate and claire were phenomenal the fact that Kate in an effort to get away from the marshal basically takes a cab hostage and the person inside the cab is the person that she's been looking for the entire time I thought was a stroke of genius and I really love the, ent- the the entire sequence when Claire eventually tells Kate that where she was going was to give the, was to give her baby away but when she gets to the house uh, of the people that she was going to give the baby away to it turns out that that couple had like a falling out. The woman in that couple basically decided not to adopt the baby anymore. And that causes Claire to go into labor. Eventually, Claire decides that I think she's going to keep the baby or she may not. But I really, really, really loved that dynamic. Also, I really enjoyed the fact that when Kate took control of the cab when she was driving away from the airport, the she almost ran over our favorite teacher. And I was like, you know what? You should have ran the asshole over. That was amazing. The only negative that I had about this episode is I was so vehemently frustrated with the fact that all of the stuff on the island with the with the other group of people who we just who we just recently met, all of the questions that our losses had for them, they were not being answered. Like these people were being so cryptic, it was driving me crazy. Like they torture Said for no apparent reason. And every time that somebody had a question as to why are they torturing poor Saeed, these people cannot be honest for one second? It really frustrated the shit out of me. So on one hand, I hated this episode, but on the other hand, I love this episode.
0: Yeah, I think I'm right there with you because I do like the flash sideways stuff. It is dynamic and interesting, and it's nice that Kate and Claire get some scenes together because they haven't really had an on-screen presence together in a few seasons. And seeing Kate on the run, I love that that cab scene where she hijacks the cab. And yeah, the dummy Leslie Art has dropped his baggage in the crosswalk and all of that with the taxi. And then when she drops Claire off and steals her stuff, I like that we get that moment where Kate starts to go through the luggage and realizes what this luggage is and that Claire might need this stuff. It's all baby stuff. And when she goes back and they go on their adventure where Claire goes into a false labor and then they meet up with good old Dr. Ethan Goodspeed. I loved all of that. That was so much fun but also interesting to see uh, what could have been. And still with this flash sideways, we aren't sure what we're seeing, but I like seeing the way things could have gone and like an alternate timeline where Ethan is not a weirdo creep on the island who gets murdered by our losties. He is still a doctor at a hospital helping with babies. That is an interesting through line and everything going on on the island the temple dogan jack Said, i don't like as much because there is still a lot of mystery over who these disciples of jacob are what they are even doing like i don't understand what they're doing we still aren't quite clear what the saeed situation is they thought they could save him they kill him he is saved they're mad they want to poison him like there's so much going on with that but At this point, this is a whole new scenario that, like, I never knew there was going to be a temple with a brown hot tub and Scorpion from Mortal Kombat was going to be whispering weird sayings. I'm just not super invested in that. Even though I care about Saeed and Jack, everything else going on at this setting is not something I'm super jazzed about. And the on island stuff that leads us away from there, where Sawyer decides he's had enough, he's going to leave, and then when Kate tries to go out and she gets confronted by some of the cronies. And one of them is Aldo from season three, played by Rob McElhenney from Mythic Quest and It's Always Sunny. His character comes back after multiple seasons and says to Kate, like, don't you remember you smashed me in the face with a gun? So I like that we brought back like literally a nothing character for this, but usually Lost walks that fine line where stuff is, mysterious and confusing but it's so intriguing that we're invested in it and so far to be honest with season six this temple stuff is not doing it for me i've just i rail against it a little bit but the flash sideways are a lot of fun do you think that that sawyer moment was so heartbreaking is he going to be able to get over Juliet? In the long run, Marcello, or is he sort of wrecked for life?
1: That's a really good question. And I would have thought that he would have been wrecked for life when he had to kill John Locke's father. But now I really think he's broken. And I think that he has to learn to live with the fact that if he hadn't been so focused on finding a sense of happiness on the island, maybe Juliet would have never died. Because that scene with uh, Kate, when he finally reveals that he was going to propose to Juliet, he says, he basically says, it's my fault. The only reason that she's dead is because I wanted to stay here and be happy. So I think that he will forever wrestle with that choice that he made and he will forever deal with that guilt. And he'll just have to learn to live with it, you know, find some semblance of peace if that's possible. But I also love the fact that Sawyer's character in this episode has reached a point to where his character no longer cares about pretty much anything. He has reached the fuck it point and he doesn't even care. And I love that little cork about Sawyer's character specifically in this episode. I know that he is sad. I know that he is oppressed, but I, I just love it when a character reaches the point of basically fuck it.
0: Yeah, I thought that was great. And Josh Holloway got to do a lot of really showcase worthy acting in this where, you know, when he's like, okay, I'm leaving F you guys. I don't care what this is. It's not for me. And then when he has that moment with Kate where he pulls out the ring and is clearly wrecked. That thing where they're like you know maybe some people are just meant to be alone is depressing and heartbreaking but in those moments holloway and evangeline lily are both so good that we still think like okay maybe these broken people can kind of move on in some way that was the most intriguing dramatic parts of this episode on island Other than the surprise ending, Jin is attacked and he gets caught in a bear trap and he's about to get shot when someone in the woods, a sniper saves him. And then we look up and we see that it is Claire looking like absolute garbage. (laughs) And that is where that episode leaves off, which brings us right into the next one. Episode four, The Substitute, Marcelo Would you like a nice cup of tea or are you going to fill up this coffee maker?
1: Like the last episode, I adored this episode with such abandoned passion because there's something about seeing our losties achieve their happy place. And to see Locke be in a relationship with Helen and to see Locke be weeks or months away from his marriage to Helen was simply wonderful. But the thing that really spoke to me in this episode is the struggle that John Locke goes through when he sits down with Helen and he basically has that conversation where he goes, look, I think that you need to start looking at reality and you need to start looking at what a future with me is really going to be like. He basically said that Helen should basically leave. And I love the fact that uh, Helen, play, played by Katie Seagal, said, No, John, you are absolutely wrong. Miracles do exist in the world, and I am right where I want to be, and I want to be with you. You are you are everything that I wished for. And the reason why I identified with that so much is because, as a disabled individual, I deal with that all the time. You know, as I'm getting older, I say to myself, Okay, if I get into a relationship with someone, What can I offer them? I don't have a job. I don't have this. I don't have that. So why would an attractive woman want to be with me? What do I have to offer as a disabled individual? I mean, I don't know if I can have kids. Watching John go through those naturations and ask those questions was so, so fascinating and so affecting from my point of view.
0: Totally understand that. My favorite thing about The Flash Sideways is where... We take a situation that we sort of understand from flashbacks and give it that little twist or turn so it's slightly different. So I love that in this timeline, Locke and Helen are together, which is awesome. But John Locke, even when he's happy and he's with the woman that he loves, is still a bit of a fuck up because he didn't go to the thing that he was supposed to for his job. And he gets fired because he tried to go on that walkabout and so i like that for everything that is better in this timeline there is still things that are not perfect that great moment where he gets fired by the douche weasel randy or whoever at work leads to him meeting hugo the luckiest man on earth and i love that he says look i will take care of you i'll i'll make it right call my temp agency And then we see Locke cross paths with Rose. That was a really good scene because this Locke, even though he is happy in one aspect of his life, still has a lot of the same baggage that he's carrying with him, where he says to Rose, his classic, you know, don't tell me what I can't do. I want this construction job. And then she lays it out for him with such honesty. And when she says, look, I know you think this and you think that, but. I, as a person about to die of terminal cancer, because Rose has not been on the island, so she is not cured. And she says, I know what life is about. And like, you don't need to make it hard. You don't have to always prove people wrong. You can just do something that will just, you know, make it easy on everyone. And you can live your life in a different headspace. And I just loved that moment for John Locke. Like our main John Locke needed to hear that. But it's nice to see that this John Locke has that moment and hears it. And spending time with this Locke as they are burying the body of the actual John Locke was a nice back and forth. Marcelo, what did you think of the on-island stuff where a lot of it is dealing with putting Locke to rest and revisiting the graveyard where so many of our other losties are buried? And the other main action is... Is Sawyer and fake John Locke, Man in Black, on some sort of quest?
1: To speak to your point, when our losties on the island go to that little section where all the bodies are buried, basically, and they put the body of proper John Locke into his grave, and I believe someone says, is anyone going to say any words? And I love the fact that the person who actually speaks up for proper John Locke is Benjamin Linus. And I'm not kidding you. When he first stepped up, I was like, this is completely improper. Because the person who killed this man can't say something. Just a little odd. But the <laughs> second that I, he started speaking, I was like, wait a minute. Am I starting to feel for the first time in a long time that Benjamin Linus is a monster, but he is a monster that is redeemable? I'm like, "How? how is this possible that... Uh, Michael Emerson can take just a few lines and and make me feel something for someone who is a monster, someone who has been manipulated so many times. I mean, it is either good writing or good acting by Michael Emerson. But I found that specific scene very, very effective. To talk about your other points with Sawyer and the smoke monster going to the caves and then eventually they go to the caves and then they come to this clearing in the cave where all of our losties names are written on the wall. I was like, okay, what's the point of this? The fact that Sawyer followed the smoke monster thinking that he was going to get some answers to, you know, the big question as to why they're all here was really a stretch for me. But I was like, Sawyer couldn't have really thought that he was going to get some answers. I think Sawyer at this point is sort of going through the motions. I don't think he really wants some answers. Because if he wanted some answers, he would have shot uh, the smoke monster. So I think that he's going through the motions. I I found that scene to be really, really confusing and really, really unnecessary. I would have much rather had some more flesh sideways scenes than to have that scene between Sawyer and the smoke monster in the cave. They could have done something to address that, or they could have cut that scene down, but I found it to be very, very ineffective.
0: Yeah, so I don't disagree at all. I feel like some of this isn't playing the way that the writers maybe thought it would. And I do love, like, the flash sideways in this is so much fun to see Locke's different life. And then, of course, that moment with Ben, where Ben is just this smiling goofy history teacher i'm just like this is the motherfucker and look at him now like look at him in this world so i i love those things that is like the most fun i'm having with this season they are layering a lot of mythology and religious symbology onto this man in black sawyer candidate chosen one and when they're in that cave you know i do laugh when they walk in and man in black throws the white rock in the ocean and sir says what was that and he says ah just inside joke for us we know that that's representing jacob and him on the scales and the scales are now tipped in the favor of man in black but we still don't know enough about what this is and if you're a candidate to take over this protector of the island what does that even mean And what does the protector of the island do? We still don't know what Jacob does other than occasionally visit the mainland, intervene slightly in people's lives, and then just hang out in a temple behind a statue. Like, I don't understand what he's doing or why. And still protecting the island from whom, if it's the man in black, then I just don't know why you even need to replace Jacob if all man in black wants to do is leave. It there's still so much confusion going on. But when we do see the roof of that cave with everyone's name and the numbers, I was like kind of intrigued. And then they did say something earlier in this episode. Ilana mentions that fake Locke is not Locke and that somehow it comes up that he won't be able to take another form. We find out through a combination of scenes in this where they're on their quest to the jungle and Man in Black sees someone and they say, you won't be able to kill him. And it's implied that Man in Black maybe thought he was going to be able to find a way to kill Sawyer. If someone dies, it seems like on the island, he can then take their form. So through this and through information that we get in the next episode. So I don't want to jump ahead, but it's mostly implied in this and then it's confirmed in the next That the smoke monster only can take the form of certain people who have died. And for a long time, the form he was taking was Christian Shepherd. So when they give us that information that like, no, he's only going to be looking like John Locke from now because of these rules, like I'm kind of intrigued by that. But still, they're throwing so much stuff at us. The temple the cave that all feels like too much too soon that I don't care about it as much as I care about just the quiet character moments of John Locke having a bath and the woman that he loves saying that she doesn't need all this fancy stuff and she doesn't need him to have a miracle. She still will be there because she loves him. Those are the moments that make this season entertaining for me rather than, I guess I'm just fatigued from all the mythology and and weirdness of lost whereas in other seasons every time they would drop some new clue or weirdness i would be thrilled and in this i just feel overwhelmed
1: yeah i mean i couldn't agree with you even more and to just make one more point if they wanted the audience to buy into the mystery that they were selling this season why did they have the smoke monster admit to james in the cave that the island does need protection The island is just an island. If everybody on this island was gone, it would just be fine. I don't understand. It's like the writers put everything that they had into last season. And then once last season was over, it was like, they were like, oh shit, we have one more to go. What the hell are we going to do?
0: I do kind of feel that that may have been a case of you know when they picked the end date they maybe didn't map out everything they wanted to do in a proper order or realizing how long it would take to do what they wanted and they may have been some scrambling involved because if i was feeling overwhelmed with the weirdness and the mythology last episode then this episode episode five the lighthouse really added to that because not only is there a gigantic temple full of people we've never heard about not only is there this crazy cave there is also a full-scale freaking lighthouse on the island that we have never seen because nobody knew to look for it marcello what were you thinking as i love that hurley gets to see jacob and has all these interactions But at certain point, I start to feel like, is Jacob just messing with this guy? Would you trust the ghost that keeps telling you what to do? Or are you going to call bullshit on this ghost earlier
1: than Hurley does? This is absolute fucking bullshit. This is ridiculous. I don't understand what the purpose of that lighthouse was. If Jacob wants jack to understand that he matters he could have done it in a better way and i don't understand why every mystical being on this goddamn fucking island has to speak in tongues so fucking much i don't get it i don't understand it i am so sick of this overarching question in this fucking mystery of this island i i have had it the only thing that saved These episodes for me this week was the Flash Sideways because I loved every moment from every episode that we have talked about so far. And the thing that I like about this episode's Flash Sideways is that Lost from the very beginning has shown us that basically every father figure in the universe is a fucking dickhead. They don't know how to cultivate a proper relationship with their sons and they treat their sons like crap. And by, by extension, their their sons suffer. But I love the fact that this situation showed Jack being a, a concerning father and a caring father to his son. But I love the fact that although that he was being caring and concerning, he didn't know how to properly connect with his son until he found out that his son was interested in music. And when he found out that his son had a recital to go to and when he goes to see his son do a recital. And that scene where he actually sits down with his son after the recital, and he says to him, you know, why didn't you tell me that you were practicing the piano? And his son says, you know, because when I was a little kid and I was doing it, you were so into it. And the reason why I didn't want mom to tell you that I was doing piano again is because I didn't want to fail you. I didn't want to let you down. And Jack just turns around and he says, It doesn't matter if you let me down. I just want you to understand that I don't care what you do. It doesn't matter. You're my son. I'm going to love you all the same. So that specific moment in Jack's flash sideways for this episode really, really tore me to pieces in a good way. I mean, I thought it was fucking fantastic. Everything on the island with the lighthouse, I was like, get the fuck out of here. Enough already. Yeah, the on-island
0: stuff is really trying my patience and feels like too much too soon and I'm swallowing a giant pill full of horse shit rather than poison. But The Flash Sideways was very interesting and I did like that, yes, Lost has often been about bad dads and we are at a place where Jack could be put into that category, but he wants to be better. And when he hears that message that David has that audition, And he starts to realize, you know, what is said explicitly later when his kid says, I didn't tell you I was doing this because I didn't want to let you down. And when you knew I was into music, you were so into it, almost like crazy soccer dad, who like takes the game way too serious that you inadvertently, you know, put so much pressure on me on this thing that I loved that I then felt I had to hide it from you because I didn't want that pressure when all i want is just your love and support jack knows what that means because of his life he wants to do better and we can see on his face that that's not what he intended to happen because he does love his kid and he tells him like you could never fail but i did love that history kind of repeats itself and even though he didn't realize he was being very christian shepherd like I thought that was a nice symmetry with what we know the other super super cool but also the head scratcher of the flash sideways in this episode is there are a few moments where jack doesn't recall events that happened to this version of jack where he doesn't remember that he got his appendix out as a kid that certain things that would maybe make sense to island jack are catching this sideways jack in like a moment of deja vu. Why do I know this? Or why don't I know this? And so I thought that was interesting, because that's our first clue, the first breadcrumb that maybe this flash sideways is not just what would have happened if the island didn't exist and the plane landed. This starts to make us wonder, is this some sort of multiverse kind of thing where some of this stuff did happen and some of it didn't? So I thought they were starting to put like some weird red flags along this track where Jack has those few moments where he doesn't understand something or doesn't recall, but also feels like he's having some sort of out of body experience that makes me start to evaluate these flash sideways in a way that I hadn't up until this point, because I was just assuming it was what if the plane landed and this was an alternate timeline where the island didn't exist. But now I'm starting to question if that's what this is or not. Jack and Hurley go back to the caves before getting to the lighthouse. This is where Jack sees the coffin and talks about how his dad led him here. Hurley says like, how do you feel about that? Why did you smash it? And he said, well, I smashed it because he wasn't in it. And this is where it's basically implied that the man in black may have been Christian every time we see Christian. And because the Dogen and the other people at the temple have told Jack that the man in black is recruiting people to his side and there is a person that he has recruited and corrupted and poisoned in a way that they already know that this is a bad scene and that person is Claire. So we know that the last time we saw Claire, she was hanging out with Christian Shepherd, who we thought was maybe an embodiment of Jacob or working for Jacob. But now, with all of the information we have from last episode and this episode, it's becoming pretty clear was probably Smoke Monster Men in Black. Seeing Claire off the rails insane in this episode was so disturbing. And Jin is so taken aback. Marcello, did you care for Claire in this? Or were you hoping that Jin would find a way to knock this bitch out?
1: To answer your first question, I really didn't care about Claire in this episode. But one thing I was thinking throughout that whole sequence where Claire was trying to get that individual to admit to her what they did with uh, her son, Aaron. The one thing that was constantly running through my head is that Claire is acting like Russo. Yes. Claire is so over the top and so not like Claire that I was like. What the hell happened to this woman? Now I don't now I don't blame the actress. I blame Carlton and Damon for, for what they did to this character because I thought there was a lot more to do with Claire if Claire wouldn't have succumbed to the men in black. If Claire would have gotten off the island sorry the guys, this is where I'm gonna get a little nuts. If Claire would have gotten off the island with the others, the storylines that the writers could have done if they if they would have I found a way to put Claire and Jack together by giving them the information that they were related. It would have been much more interesting to see them interact as siblings than to see the storyline that they're giving us now with this particular Claire. And for all we know, she's not the Claire that we've known all along. She could possibly be someone else. So based on that analysis that I just gave you, I care, but I really kind of don't.
0: Right. Yeah, I totally get it. It's such a weird return for this character who has been MIA for an entire season. And then they bring her back and they basically just turn her into Russo 2.0. The only moment that's relatively interesting is at the end when Locke shows up and Claire goes, yeah, this is my friend. That's not John. He's my friend. And it's like, okay, well, that just confirms the stuff that we were told earlier in the episode about Man in black recruiting and the person that he recruited and corrupted is Claire. So I thought semi-interesting, but I just feel bad for Emily DeRaven because she was off the show for so long and then they finally bring her back and it's to do this. Now in the flash sideways, there is mention in Christian's will of Claire Littleton. So there is a hope that Jack and Claire can have a flash sideways off-island brother and sister moment in the future, but even that's not as satisfying as it would be for them to have an on-island, both of them fully sane, realizing their connection moment. The other big thing of this is that they do get to the lighthouse. Hurley and Jack, after Jacob has sent them on this long walk And the lighthouse has this weird mirror that you can turn. They're going to turn it to a heading of 108, but as Hurley is doing this, Jack notices the inscriptions all along the edge and he sees shepherd 23 and he insists that Hurley move it to 23. And when it gets to that, Jack sees a reflection of his childhood home, a place that he hasn't lived in in years. And he has a meltdown. (laughs) that you know this guy has been watching me he's been watching me my whole life and then he smashes the mirror i i got so mad in those moments because we don't know anything about this lighthouse really we only get this one flash i don't know if this is just an image or what this image means is it actually like a cctv camera and jacob was watching these people like he was watching video feed we don't get these answers and jack smashes the mirrors so quick we will never know uh what were you thinking as jack has his meltdown and then hurley does see jacob outside and finds out the ulterior motive was to just get them out of the temple because everyone back at the temple is fucked
1: okay first i'm like you this scene in particular frustrated the ever-loving hell out of me Because, again, like I said earlier, if Jacob wanted Jack to realize that he was truly important, he could have found a better way to do it. And if Jacob has elected Hurley to be a candidate, which will eventually lead to something else, why not give Hurley all the information he needs when he needs it? Stop playing these fucking shell games. If you want your champions to to realize stuff, to get ready for the battle that may come you need to tell them everything that they need to know now because time is running out. The final battle is coming. So there isn't any, there isn't any more time for this Cloaking Dagger bullshit. God damn it. I love these writers, but I cannot for the life of me understand what in the holy hell they were thinking about. I
0: absolutely agree. And the thing that frustrates me about that shell game is that even if they want us to not know what's happening... There could be a scene where Hurley says, like, Jacob has told me all of this stuff. And then he enacts the plan and it's not as much shell game, but we just didn't see it. So that for us, it is still not knowing all the pieces. But the fact that they still have dead Jacob holding back
1: his cards from the people, the only guy who can see the cards is so frustrating. The thing that I thought that that big contraption was, was I thought it was like a portal to... Another timeline, I thought it was like uh, for for those of you who watch Star Trek, I thought it was like uh, a guardian of forever thing, which is basically like a like like an alien being that you can see, you know, all time and space from. I thought that that's what Carlton and Damon were going for. But the execution of it frustrated me so, so much that I wanted to stand up and break my television.
0: I feel like we're adding so many logs to the fire but none of them are catching flame. Whereas every other season, every log they were putting on would go up in smoke right away. It would just, like, everybody was intrigued. And this, they're throwing too much on that none of it is catching. And with so few episodes left, it's the first time in Lost History that the on-island stuff is a real drag, which is so out of character that I, I know we still got 12 episodes that they can write the ship, but even when this season was airing i just remember still loving lost like i never have not loved lost but being very frustrated and at a point where i could start to see the the shine start to wear off this thing that i thought was rust proof
1: yeah for me it is really really intensely frustrating because if you guys don't know by now i love lost and i love jj jj abrams's world before I started this podcast, I had a loving image of Lost. I mean, I love Lost so much that I would that I still think about Lost every single day. Like, I shit you not. There does not... A day doesn't pass where I don't think about Lost in some shape or fashion. But through this rewatch, things that I've completely forgotten about the show that I'm re-experiencing now are kind of taking the shine off of the show to go back to the point that you just said. Now, when we get to the end... You know, all these issues and all the things that are driving me crazy right now may wash away, and I'll just be happy for the journey that we went on, but at present, the storytelling that is going on right in front of our faces is strangling me to death, and I can't take it anymore. I'm like, dude, just fucking shoot me already. The only thing that I am and like, I totally
0: feel that way. And I'm starting to get nervous because as I've said a few times on this pod, I love Lost, but this is the one season that I have not rewatched since it aired. I own the Blu-rays, but I never watched the episodes. Whereas every other season I would rewatch before the next season started. So I had seen those multiple times, but back in the day. So it's still been 15 years since I've watched most of these. 10 years since this season. And as we are going, there is a lot of stuff that I don't remember, but is instantly coming back to me. So like the second that they walked out of the jungle and saw the lighthouse, I was like, oh yeah, this fucking thing. And it comes back to me and I'm like, oh yeah. And I'm starting to worry that I was one of the people who, I loved the, f- the finale for the emotional moments and could forgive all the faults and have been an ardent defender of Lost over the years that even if you don't like the ending, The journey is still well worth it and I still feel that way but every episode of this season so far I'm starting to get more nervous because I'm like I I'm not loving this season as much as my memory of enjoying this season when we get to that last episode what if it recolors the way I view this whole series 11 years later I'm going to be so disappointed that I've spent the last 11 years holding on to that feeling that I got on May 24th, 2010 of the emotion of the finale. And if, if that starts to color the whole journey, I'm going to be sad. So I'm excited to get there, but I'm also starting to dread it as we get into these episodes that are not working as well.
1: Yeah, you and me both, brother. I mean, I have seen Lost more times than you, clearly, but the Like I said in past episodes, I have never looked this closely at these episodes and the things that I'm finding in these episodes may, to steal one of your words, color my view of this specific season. My love of loss isn't going to go away because of what it means to me, but it may lose some of its shine when we do get to the end. So like you, I am worried, not as much, but I am terrified.
0: And with that revelation, that'll do it for this episode of Radio 815. Next week, we will be talking about episodes 6, 7, and 8 of the final season of Lost. Thank you very much for listening. We appreciate anybody who checks out the show. If you like it, tell a friend, rate, review, subscribe. We appreciate it all. If you want to get in touch with us, you can use the hashtag Radio815 on Twitter or at us at JJUniverse815 on the Tweet Machines. If you want to reach out to me, I am on Twitter, at Matt Crandall. Marcelo, you're also on Twitter. How can the folks get in touch with you?
1: If you guys want to talk to me about anything, I'm at CreekFanatic88.
0: So that'll do it. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate it. Hopefully everyone is doing well. And if you're looking through a mirror at your childhood home, Don't smash it. You don't need that seven years of bad luck. Just walk away. Until next week, Radio 815 over and out.